Hey everybody, this is Mark, and this is episode 28 of the Hard Rock Core podcast. And this week I have a very special guest, as I've known this guy for many years. And he's a funny guy, great guy. Plays guitar, has played in many bands over the years, including Power Lounge, Livid, Adore, Anger the Giant, and he also recently launched his own brand of guitars called Vapor Guitars. He goes by the name of Vapor, hence Vapor Guitars. His real name is Jim. And we had a very long chat going back to the early days of Livid, how we connected many moons ago, how I became involved with managing the band, working with them, hanging out, trying to guide the career, and talk about a lot of great times that we had in the past of doing music together. You even talk about the time I got on stage and played bass with the band. And I'm not a bassist, but I did it. But I can play bass. Although I'm mainly a drummer. But this is my conversation with Vapor. And we had a, it was very open, very fluid, a long, I think this will be the longest podcast I have so far, but talking with him was great. We just kind of started going and talking about the olden days and when Livid played shows with System of a Down, Papa Roach, Static X, Alien Amp Farm, Soulfly, Seven Dust, Cold Chamber, Human Waste Project, Zebrahead Lit. I, the list is endless. Talking about the days in OC, HB to be precise. Going to Hollywood parties, which was weird when we were being courted by record labels. And just a lot of good vibes. So I hope you enjoy this conversation today. And uh, we'll probably be back again, invite some other people on for that conversation as well. Probably bring in Anthony, probably bring in Big J, maybe Sizzo, and have a good roundtable about that time period. As always, you can find me online at hardrockcore.net which has links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, YouTube, and of course, all of this podcast information. Hopefully you like, share, and follow. And now let's get to the conversation with Vapor of Vapor Guitars. And also don't forget about his podcast, All Things Guitars and Music. Check it out. Here's our conversation. And how you doing, brother? Vapes, how the hell are you, dude? Trying to stay cool in this uh, humidity. How about you? Well, we've got fires about 50 miles away up here in Sacramento, and it was like 107 degrees this past week nearly every freaking day, and it's nasty, but it's cooler today, man. Yeah, I got a pool filling up right now, like an above-ground pool that finally we got after probably four months. Um, since we ordered it. So it's uh, filling up in the backyard. We're trying to stay cool. It's the humidity that kills me. Is it that bad down there? Are you, are you in the same place you were in before? Yeah, in Huntington Beach. Um, we have humidity. It's, uh, I think, 75% right now. Oh, damn. On top of, like, the 90-degree weather. 
Damn, so, dude, yeah, that's it's bad. Pretty it's pretty hot, but you know, uh, we're still surviving. And you're up in Sacramento, right? Yeah, dude, I'm uh, in Sac. I've been here the last five years, and uh, you know, it, it's been a good music scene up here. Obviously, now it's a little bit different because you can't go see a damn show but i'm literally like you know 10 miles from ace of spades and holy diver and uh been been good good music good bands lots of good shows come through town and it's far enough from the big cities but close enough at the same time yeah are you by the uh the rivers or the lakes that they have because i know sacramento has a river right yeah the american river sacramento that whole strip like literally literally if i go from where i'm at like 10 12 miles is is downtown sacramento and just you literally go across the rivers as you go up there towards the airport so it's super close not to mention you got tahoe you've got reno you got the mountains up there you know you got donner pass snow during the uh winter which is cool which also kind of sucks if you have to drive that route because all of a sudden you got to put chains on which you and me being Southern California guys putting on, on chains on a damn car, ain't our forte, you know? No, I wouldn't know how to do it. <laughs> I'd call it AAA. It's like, dude, I don't know, man. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Well, dude, they've got, <laughs> they've got people on the side of the road that you pay them like 20 or 30 bucks and they'll put them on for you. They're like actually licensed to do it. So guys do that during the winter. But when yeah. you get to the other side of the hill, there's no one there to take them off. So you got to get out. And one year I was driving back and I had the chains on. I got down where I could take them off and it was pouring rain. I mean, it wasn't high enough on the mountains to freeze to snow, but I got yeah. low enough and I had to get the damn chains off to keep going. But the, the side of the roads, no matter where I pulled off, were like six inches to like a foot of water. And I had to get in that hands and knees to get the damn chains off, dude. It was oh. horrible. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, anyways, uh, I'm glad that you're doing uh, my podcast, All Things Guitars and Music, and I'm doing yours. Happy um, to have you, dude. Happy to happy to talk, man. I mean, it, it's as I think about this, you know, it was like 97 when you and I first mm-hmm. met. Yep. Uh, where, um, where was that? Was that three, six, nine? No, it was like, you had actually been like emailing me and exchanging message through as we date ourselves AOL, uh, about yeah. livid. And you had sent me a tape and kept trying to get me to come out to shows. And then I came out in the first show. I remember cause Anthony came with me. Was that, was it the Tiki bar? Was that what it was called? Yeah, but yeah, I remember that, but I don't know if that was the first show, but yeah, the Tiki Bar with the system, system of a downplaying. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I don't know if that was the first time, but yeah, that, that was one of the first times. And then we did the show with Machine Head um, at the Showcase Theater. See, there's a lot of the uh, System of a Down fan sites that post pictures from like that show of like Shavo and stuff. And I always think that was, it was uh, Machine Head, Snot, System. I don't know who that fourth band was, but then Livid played as well. Man Will Surrender. That's who it was. That's who, that was Halloween night, wasn't it? Yeah. And the place was packed and you guys are videotaping System of a Down. Um, 
man, I remember that that whole night was that was my probably one of my favorite shows I've ever you know played. Well, it you was know? it was packed too, dude. From start to finish, it was packed with people going crazy. Yeah, I, re- I remember when System was playing, and then you know Snot, you know, and the Machine Head was the headliner. Yeah, that was Halloween of '97, uh, I think. Yeah, man, that was a, a great a great show. But I mean, you guys had done so many shows back in the day with. Uh, system of a down with static before they put the X there. Uh, yeah. Machine head, snot, cold chamber, seven dust, soul fly, zebra head, all that stuff, man. Yeah. Cold chamber, uh, human waste project. Um, soul fly. We, we, yeah, we played, you know, well, after we started working together, when you became, you became our manager was in 97, the same year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you were, um, so I knew you were managing Spine Shank before and you were writing for Rock City News, right? Exactly, exactly. And then uh, then we were like, I don't know, I, you know, obviously we asked you to be our manager and then they went from there. And then they went from a discussion to like headlining the Glass House and the Rock City, everywhere we played headlining. The, those like days were phenomenal. I remember you guys headlining Glass House over Alien Ant Farm, over Papa Roach, over Lit. Remember that show with Lit? Was was Zebrahead on that one, or is that somebody else? But I remember Lit snuck on the bill like just as they started to break, and they opened up for you guys. Yeah, they yeah it was a radio. It was the yeah one oh X one oh three nine and the Glass House. They had something to do, and then they they asked if Lit Lit could come on, and I'm like. We were like, sure, right? Because uh, it was cool because Alan, you know, we're high school buds, the drummer for Lit. And it was, you know, we finally got to do a show together. <laughs> and he passed away a few years back, didn't he? Yeah, I think in 09, I think it was brain cancer, you know? Or, yeah, I think it was brain cancer in 09. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, we grew up together pretty, pretty much, and we had it, you know, didn't know he was going to be a big rock star, but we all had the dreams back then, you know? But it was fun, man. Those those times back then were so fun and real, and I think that was like the last time as that wave of bands around you guys doing stuff, that was like, the I think, the last of us, quote-unquote, scene, because after that, and we were... I was thinking about this earlier before you called was back then the internet was just becoming a new way to market bands. And, you know, you guys had fans from all over the freaking States coming to check your shows out, which was crazy. But now, you know, that was the early days of it. And now it's, everything is internet based to back then it was kind of struggling to, do you focus on the internet or do you focus on the local scene and it was a weird transition time, but that was like the last time I think there was an actual scene that people were handing out flyers and uh, trading shows, you know, because now it doesn't happen that much. No, I mean, um, you're right. We had our studio in Anaheim right by the pond, remember? Or the Honda Center now? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we had that bitch in, uh, it was a pretty big spot for $400 a month in Anaheim. And, um, what was it? Oh yeah, we had a wall 
dedicated to emails from fans from all over the world sending us emails because they're getting connected through our website. Um, because there was no Facebook or MySpace, uh, none of that. So I think we're getting emails through the actual website, livid.net. And then uh, I remember making copies of all the letters and stuff we were getting through the email at that time. Can you imagine if Libby was uh, during the MySpace time? Christ, dude, that would have been insane, man. He said just the email and instant messages. And I know, you know, we would try to do stuff to try to get like Sizzle over to your place so you guys could do chats together. And as soon as you signed on, you'd be like, holy crap, I'm bombarded by instant messages nonstop. My kids would just blast you nonstop. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, you, you had the street team. Um, that was part of your gig too, right? Uh, before you became a manager. Yeah, was it was, working, you know, yeah, yeah, man, it was, you know, helping out Bino doing stuff early on with system and, you know, he got his office going over at Columbia because they kind of, you know, him and Rick Rubin and, uh, you know, Dino with American, I mean, everything that they did to get those guys together, you know, we were there and you were there as well. I mean, early on trying to, you know, do that stuff and, you know, duplicated what was happening out there to forward the band and it worked and it was freaking awesome times to just think back about the days of cassettes and then, you know, putting out livid demos and, and all those times were just a blast, dude. Yeah. I remember, I mean, you're right. I think that, you know, the scene that we were in with all the bands you mentioned was the last great LA scene. But then I don't know that because after our scene, I wasn't even around that LA thing, you know? So there might have been scenes, but we just didn't know about it because we were a part of it, maybe. Yeah, maybe, you know, but I, I know, I mean, up here in SAC, there, there are local bands, and I mean, I think they do a good thing playing, but it's, and it's not taking away anything from that the guys are doing today or the bands are doing today, but it's not like it was 20 years ago, you know, or, or 15 years ago, or whatever, whenever it stopped becoming scenes, wherever it's L.A. or New York or, jersey or boston mm -hmm. or wherever the scenes um in sacramento i mean 98 rock up here does a great job of playing rock and, and metal music and they're i think they were the number one station last year for active rock so they play the bands and um it's cultivated a good market in the aftershock uh concert that we you know the festival mm -hmm. every year does extremely well but as far as the scene goes it's still a little bit, it, it's not as um, packed or as like Brotherhood was. Because back when you guys were in L.A. and, you know, Livid kind of came up under kind of like the, that wave. I know and you, you were there for the early days of corn. You know all about that way more than mm -hmm. I do. You know, you saw the corn wave come through and uh, Fear Factory kind of rolled yeah. and then cold chamber hit with system and static X and those bands. And then there was like the next wave, which was like you guys mug agriculture, mm -hmm. um, migraine. I'm trying to think of who else was, who were some of the big bands at that point in time? Well then, you know, and then Droid. we had 20 dead flower children. We had, uh, 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 dude, there were so many, but the ones that we played with a lot was the 20 Death Flower Children, Papa Roach, um, Static X, you know? We did a lot with Static X. 
Yeah, and, uh, and I just reconnected with Ken a few weeks back, and and he remembers all those shows, and he even talked about the that show at three six nine of theirs that's online at YouTube that I think Anthony shot. He he, you know, remembers Livid, remembers playing shows with Livid, which is really cool to hear him, you know, have that conversation. I've kept in touch with him since, and just he talks about you know how great you guys were and how how much of awesome people you were, and that's the thing I think. Everybody knew Livid because you guys were a great band, but you were even greater people to hang out with and have fun with. And you guys got along with everybody out there. And we know yeah. other bands at the time had their own little thing of, I don't know if it's jealousies or talking crap or whatever. And, you know, we caught wind of it, but you guys always held yourself and put yourselves above the BS and just said, no, we're going to play our music and kick ass on stage. And that's where you guys left it, which was freaking awesome. And it's like, you know, and then, you know, some of the bands that did talk shit, when uh, we were asked, you know, if they could play the show with us, we would say, yeah, fuck it, you know? Because there was a scene, there was a scene going on, and, um, you know, we were trying to be brotherhood back then, even though, like, so, some people would talk shit, but then, you know, people drink and say stupid shit, so, I don't, you know, we didn't take it to heart. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, because here was the weird thing, not maybe not weird thing, but when it came to the Glass House and unsigned bands in the metal world, new metal, hard rock, whatever people want to call it, I don't think you guys are a new metal band because you weren't rapping at that point in time. But when it came to the Glass House and the second, you know, we would talk with Greg over there at Golden Voice and book a show, and you know this, everybody became our best friend all of a sudden because they all wanted on that fucking show. Yeah. Yeah, we got in um, playing the little side room at the Glass House in between Human Waste Project, Cold Chamber, and Soulfly. Um, Glass House gave us the opportunity to play that small room, right? Yeah. And that room was so, so packed in between the bands setting up on a big stage. And then I remember, I got videos, um, well, you sent me a box of videos, dude. I haven't even gone through all of them, but one of the videos was a video of that little room, little stage, and it was packed. There was like 200 people in there, dude. Dude, I would love to see those bands. But, yeah, I remember sending you that box of goodies like that. But that show, but, you know, you guys owned that thing when it came to unsigned bands and local bands because you guys would play and headline it. And I'll never forget, and, again, this isn't talking bad about anybody but there was yeah. a show that Videodrone was doing with Ultra Spank. And I remember getting a call a couple of days before from Greg at, at the Glass House and said, hey, you know, the bands want you guys to headline. And I remember thinking to myself, that's really cool. But Livid doesn't have a fucking record deal. We would love a record deal, of course, but I don't want to put the unsigned band last yeah. with the two sign bands who already have public profile because if the kids don't know it was just odd so i said we'll take the middle slot but we're not going to open but we're not going to play last and it had to put yeah. somebody before us and they didn't like it but and i remember one of the bands i won't say which one but i remember their management company calling me and saying hey dude you know our band signed they've been on tours they've done Ozfest and or whatever you know they've done you know, can, can, can you guys open the show instead? I said, we were actually asked to headline, so we can headline the show if you'd like, or 
we'll take the middle slot and you guys and the other band can duke it out and figure out who wants to do what. And they yeah. said, oh, okay, never mind. And they let it go. And I'm like, okay, here we are, the quote-unquote smaller band of the three, but yet we kind of had our way with it, which was, I got to say, dude, that made me feel good for what you guys were doing, man. Well, the thing is with that, um, I think I think it was another lit show where we had to, uh, they added lit, or they added livid to the show because it's not talking shit, but it, um, there was no ticket sales going on. So they put us on the show to, to move tickets. I remember, I think that was another lit show or, or something like that. But I remember that. And the reason why is because for some reason the glass house was our venue. Like when Livid played the glass house, that was, that was our venue. Yeah. No matter who, you know, and it was weird because out of all the venues we played, even though we headlined it, it was the glass house where the kids are waiting at four o'clock in the afternoon for, you know, to see us or to, well, you know, the kids waited in line at the glass house for anybody. It doesn't matter who was playing. <laughs> well, you know? I, I think I know the show you're talking about, and I'm not going to mention the band's names because I don't want it to come off the wrong way, but there was no. a heavy band and then it's sort of like a new metal band playing. And we did get asked, Livy got asked to get onto the bill sort of last minute. And we opened for the other two bands and the show wasn't that great of a show. Then I remember the next week we got a call and this is kind of the thing that kicked off. I think that next level for livid. And I knew this next show was going to happen because at that point in time, um, disturbed who was just, growing in their career was on a tour and they were going to drop off to do a couple radio shows and they were opening up for six feet under in Danzig. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting the call to do that. And, uh, I remember calling you and going, Hey dude, we can, we can, uh, open up for six feet under and Danzig at the, uh, what's that place in at what, the Grove, <clears throat> that place. Yeah. The Grove of Anaheim. Yes. And, you know, that's like sold out 22,000 people or whatever. And you're like, dude, we can't play before a death metal band. No way. This isn't going to happen. And I remember, you know, that night on stage, I remember because you guys opened up with Plaything, And I, you were you were like ready to swing your guitar if anybody said anything or it, you were ready to go. But as soon as you guys hit the last note of Plaything, the crowd erupted in cheers. And I remember you looking at me off the side of the stage and your smile went, oh, yeah, it's on. And it was freaking an awesome show dude yeah it was on and you know what's funny about that show is the week before we opened up for machine head at the glass house remember that yes yes and then uh there's about like five big burly dudes that was saying that we sucked and was talking shit and throwing shit at us remember i do i remember that man someone threw a quarter literally hit me in between the eyes dude like they threw it hard, and, and I was just grateful it was between the eyes and not an eyeball, <laughs> you know? And it was funny because I told him, uh, little Jay, one of our roadies, I go, dude, go find out who, who did that, and we're going to fuck him up after the show. <laughs> and we actually went out there after the show, and I, we couldn't find him. But there was a whole bunch of uh, kids saying, yeah, it was, it was a couple of big guys that were being assholes to us, and and – that was the thing about us. If we saw people being assholes to the kids, like we would say shit. Always, man. You guys had the ultimate level. And I think that's maybe why we put it on the back of the t-shirts was respect because you guys had respect for the fans, respect for the bands and treated it all well. And never, you know, never 
never treated anybody badly. Even like you said it earlier, when people would talk crap openly, publicly, or get drunk and say things, you guys never bit to it. You know, you guys were professionals and said, you know what? It is what it is. You guys be assholes all you want. We're just going to be us and, and put it on stage. And uh, yeah. you guys had a stage show back then. You know, yeah, we, you, you had candles galore on stage. You had incense burning. You had the religious figures. You had black lights on those. You had smoke machines. Well, it was crazy, dude. Strobe lights. And, uh, I mean, we, we had the whole thing. And we actually had people, even Sizzle, you know, our singer, had, had to carry the boxes of candles. You know? I mean, it was a big production. You can't have uh, real candles these days, you know? Well, yeah, you don't want to turn into great white out there, you know? Yeah, it's a fire hazard, and that was our thing. And uh, But, yeah, we had a little uh, a stage thing, huh? We did pretty good back then. And um, But, like, you know, like I tell my family and friends, you know, you know, boo-boo, you know, the wife, she's like, yeah, I've heard this story again. I've heard it <laughs> And now, now it's like my kid and his friends like, yeah, Dad, you told us that story before, you know. Cause it's like, you know, you know, my son's 17 now and then he, he's growing up listening to music and radio or we watch videos and stuff. So he knows about all the music. Right. And what is that? Seven degrees of separation thing. I, I'm not sure how that works, but every song that was playing on the radio was like uh, Pandora. We were at a pool party and Pandora was playing, right? Papa Roach is playing. I have a story. Lip is playing. I have a story. System of a down, I have a story. So, like, my kids, like, do you know every single band? I'm like, no, but there's a story about something. It's you know true, I mean? though. It's true, man. And I mean, you guys, you know, it, it kind of goes, there's like certain bands who have had careers and have never gotten as big as they should be, that they've always been this. Uh, you know, the, the prime example I always see is King's X or phenomenal band, but they never got the respect they needed by the mass public. And you guys were that of the bands there. And I don't know why, whatever happened or why, or why not, but uh, there's nothing I would change about our course. I mean, because I mean, I think you guys did phenomenal things and uh, the stories that y'all can tell from um, soul fly, uh, you know, at the, uh, what was that play? Key Club and Sizzle getting the guitar. Um, God, what else was there? I mean, BC, the stuff with Head, you know, Head taking you guys to Arizona uh, for, you know, doing the whiskey with them and then going to Arizona with them. Just stuff like that was, was just very, and it's kind of an interesting year because, you know, a lot of these bands, Static X, uh, System, Head, they're all celebrating anniversaries of like yeah. the releases of albums. And it's like, you guys were there with all that stuff. We were there during the beginning. I mean, um, it, it's funny because, you know, my wife, my wife's a retail manager. And so she manages a lot of, you know, younger people. And then one of the kids was in the back listening to System of Down. And then my wife's like, yeah, I hung out with them, party with them one night. No way. You? You <laughs> know them? You know? And my wife's like, yeah, through my husband. And it was, she was talking about the night at your apartment. Yours and Anthony's apartment when it was uh, living in System of a Down, just hanging out at your house, your apartment. I remember, remember that. Yeah, dude. And didn't like some spine shank show thing? up and, and Juan from Rat came out, I think, I think as well, because we did that demo with him. 
I think, oh yeah, I forgot about the one thing. Now I kind of remember he was there. But the, the most uh, thing that I remember the most that night was just me and Darren from System smoking weed and just talking about music. You know, he was, because, you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than him. I'm at least 10 years older than him, I think. Um, he was talking about Scorpions and Iron Maiden and stuff that I was doing when I was 15 years old. And I'm like, dude, how old were you? You know? Because you're talking about my lifetime. But he said his parents listened to all that stuff. I remember. Sitting on the couch at your uh, your apartment. And then we, we, I guess we're all buzzed and we were ordering pink dots. Remember? <laughs> Pink dot, pink dot you go, dude. You go, we can order anything and they'll bring it. And I go, like, if I call and say I want a banana, they're going to bring it. And you said, yeah. <laughs> so we ordered stuff. We, I think we all ordered stuff and I ordered a banana. <laughs> I remember that. You can order a banana, green jello, and KY jelly all at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Serge was there. I mean, um, I don't think Shavo was there. If he was, I don't remember because you know we we're drinking. Man, yeah, those were those were crazy times, and I, I mean, it, it, they were all fun, man. It, there was no sadness about that. It, it just things kind of run their course over time. But it was such a freaking awesome environment to be in, and seeing those shows and playing the Roxy and whiskey and troubadour and early on coconut teaser i'll never forget the show at the roxy where livid got banned yeah but we didn't get banned for too long did we we were right back we were back a couple months later on which was freaking awesome yeah because um yeah dude that was uh you know me me so you know we've been in different bands since uh since livid and so we would take you know, like the band Adore, we would go up to Hollywood and take our band members there and hang out at the Rainbow and just have a ball, dude. You know, just have a ball. And then one time I was at a table with a whole bunch of people because they used to get drunk and just sit at people's table and I don't, I don't know what happens. People say I go to people's table and take a slice of the pizza or I just do shit. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and sometimes I guess I black out if I'm drinking too much Jack Daniels. But it's a good blackout. I'm not fighting or anything like that. I'm just like hanging out with people that, you know, if I'm taking someone's slice of pizza, I'm like, didn't they hit me or something? I mean, I don't hit the dude taking my pizza, <laughs> you know. But, um, no, we would we would go there. And I remember one time sitting at the table with a whole bunch of people. And this guy goes, you look familiar. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm in bands and stuff like that. And then he said, name band. And then when I said livid, he's like, I was there at the time you guys got kicked out or, or something, something happened where something was being thrown and you guys got booted or something like he remembered it. Wow. So, dude, that's cool, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Like you said, there was good times with the livid and it's like, I tell these stories and sometimes people don't believe it. You know, um, I was working with the company, uh, with Keith flowers from spring dead. Remember yeah. Him? Yeah. Um, so, He's been working at this company for years, right? And so then I started working for the company. So like at lunches or like a house party or something like that, people would say, dude, tell them about the stories we had. None of these people believe me. <laughs> so like, you know, 20 Dead had their stories because they actually do it, you know? And so when he had stories to tell, some people didn't believe him. And I'm like, yeah, 
There's true. I was there. And so the same thing happened to us, you know. Papa Roach open for you guys? Yeah, no way. You know. And I so, think we, all, we could all remember at that point in time, Papa Roach all wore white T-shirts on stage. Yes. And then all of a sudden they switched to black after that. Yes. yes. I mean, we were, we all wore black and then did the candles and like, you know, kind of g- gave a little evil presence, but not really, you know, not really evil, but we had the, what was that? We had Mary and we had Jesus statues. Yeah. Yeah. With candles and all that stuff like that. And we had, um, our intro tape was the Passion of Christ soundtrack. Remember? That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Passion of Christ, I think. Right. Our intro tape. I remember one time at the glass house, dude, we were getting ready to go on and I hit my guitar to make sure it was on. And the whole place was like, like screaming. And then I started heaving real bad, dude. I thought I was going to throw up. Were you getting nervous? Oh, I got nervous while we were walking up those little stairs, to the glass house right there on the stage area. And then, uh, I didn't realize there were so many people and I got nervous. Dude, those things that, that, those shows were sold out, man. I mean, that glass house, and I know a lot of bands have played there. And I think unearth did their home video there as well when they shot their live concert there. So that venue has been used a lot over the years and bands have done videos there and their home videos and stuff like that. And that's, that place was iconic, man. Yeah, dude. And um, I played there um, with my band, Anger the Giant, 2015, um, which also fe- features Fizzo. We played there, dude. It's all different management. It's different. They got a bar now um, in the big room. There's like a bar. And then um, I think the front room has a bar, too. But we played there in 2015 as Anger the Giant. It wasn't the same, you know? It was it wasn't the same how it was back in the day. Greg wasn't there. No, I didn't even know who was there. But they're really cool. All the, the staff, the staff is really cool. You know, but yeah, those were good times. Well, that that whole time of my life during that time was like the best times of our lives of my life. And I remember all of us saying the same shit back then. You know, these are the best times of our life. One day in the future, we could talk about it and look at. We are talking about it. <laughs> right, right. And that's that's what's cool. And I know I was down in L.A. last year just for just basically for like two days, really. And I stopped by the whiskey and saw uh, in production, saw Mike out front. And he even he even said it's not the same anymore, dude. He's like, you don't even know what it's like when it comes to bands now in shows. Yeah, because they're still trying to do that pain play, right? I think so. And and somebody slipped free tickets that night for some cover band that was going on there. That's why I wound up there. And I'm like, you know, whatever. It it was cool, you know. But it was it's definitely not. I mean, when even back in the '80s, you know, the late '80s when there were hair bands and I don't hair bands, glam bands, whatever. L.A. scene at that point in time. Flyers were everywhere. But back when you guys were playing in system and all that, there were still flyers everywhere. Now, ain't nothing there anymore. Yeah, see, people don't understand, like, even my kid, right? Because everything was the phone. He's like, what do you mean? You had to print paper 
And then you had to go and pass them out to people and put them on cars, like actual paper. And I'm like, yeah. Can you guys just use your phone and, you know, promote? It's like, no, the cell phones back at time was like little Nokia's, you know, um, they didn't even text. It was just a phone, you know, because remember back then there was pagers. Oh God. Yeah, you're right. And I, you know, talking about handing out the flyers, I remember it was, uh, I think corn and zombie at the Honda center or the pond or whatever it's called. But I remember that night we flyered the hell out of everything and passed out demo tapes and stuff of livid and then invited people back to the rehearsal place that night to come watch us play or watch you guys yeah. play. I should say. Yes. Just to promote yeah. yourselves. Yeah. We had boxes of cassette tapes, dude, like big boxes. We were just handing them out and then it worked because we had an email address on there and that's when people were sending us emails, you know? Um, yeah, that, um, and then we went to go see Corn at the forum, and we had a whole street team with us passing out flyers. We had like ten thousand flyers, I think. And I, I think remember it was, that. It was with the show with Static X and Power Man Five Thousand, and Livid at the Roxy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, having a street team of kids, and we're giving them thousands of flyers. You know, and we're doing the same thing, just handing them out to people. Like we didn't even go to the show; we would just go out and pass out flyers, put them on the cars, go up to Hollywood all the time and, you know, go, go out to the gig. Every Monday we're in, you know, at the Troubadour. You know, you know? I was talking with Ken uh, from Static about that. And I said, there were nights on Monday nights where we would all just hang out. We wouldn't even go inside the damn Troubadour. We just stand outside talking all night, maybe going and get a drink in the front bar, but never even go watch a band playing. Sometimes you're just hanging out with your friends, having a good time. Yeah, it was a thing. People would just go there, which, you know, it's tough to do now. Well, uh, obviously now, but I'm talking before COVID. Right, right. You know, people depend on, you know, people going to the shows. So it's like, but, um, so yeah, let's get through the, the Livid story and we can talk about other things. So part of the Livid story, people, is that Livid did a reunion back in 2000. Uh, 12 was the show, but 2011 is when we started rehearsing. We didn't have a bass player. Then you stepped up to the plate and said, I could play bass. You know, you say bass, guitar, and drum. You play all those, right? I do, uh, or I can fake it enough. Yeah, so, you know, people, Mark, jumped in and played the bass at the Livid Reunion at the, uh, at the Sidebar show, and... That was a, a, a great memory as well as part of the Livid story, you know? Ooh. That was, so it was, it was packed. Not that I didn't think it wouldn't be packed because I know just you guys maintained your friendships with your fans from back then. And, um, yeah, they're all growing up now and married and have kids. <laughs> Yeah, but you, you guys had those friendships and you stayed in contact with them, you know, even even someone like Big J, you know, and that guy's just freaking awesome. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've i talked with Doyle a couple of times when he's been on tour up here and, you know, he talks about Big J or uh, spoke with Harley from Cro-Mags and he knows Big J. Just those good people like that, you know, being around us. And that reunion show um, was crazy to think that I was on stage with you guys playing an instrument. That's not my dominant instrument to play, but just to do those songs, you know, was 
crazy, man. Yeah, but yeah, it was a, it was a great night, and he came in and, and handled business, you know. So that was a that was a great experience with that, and then um, and then after that living reunion thing, then uh, me and Cizzo and then Jim um, started uh, Anger the Giant, you know, um, and then we did Anger the Giant for a while and everything, and then uh, so I did Anger the Giant from two thousand. 13 to uh, 2018. And then I went to a Sunflower Death show. You know those guys, right? That's the two hit creeper guys, right? Yeah. With Jamie. Jamie from Droid. Yeah. So Sunflower did. So they're playing at the Tiki Bar in Costa Mesa. And I went by myself. And then I was going to, I was almost getting a fight with some drunk dude who thought I spilled beer on his girlfriend. When I'm like, dude, I'm drinking Jack and Coke. Step back. He's like, you spilled the beer on my girlfriend, all drunk and in my face, right? And I was like, dude, sit down. You know, I was like, I was just talking shit, dude. It was funny, guy. I remember telling him, I'm like, dude, sit down, dude. I watched Jackie Chang earlier today, man. And he's like, <laughs> what? And then, you know, something like that. And I look over to my left, and I see some dude, and I was like, what? Is that Rob? And I was like, because, you know, you know, Rob Smokey, he's very limited. And I haven't seen him. And I don't know how many years, 18 years or something like that. Um, it, it was a long time. So uh, I saw him and then we, I was like, dude, what up? And then we gave each other a big old hug and everything. And uh, he goes, you want me to get this dude's ass? I was like, nah, dude. You know, and I just told the dude or the, the girlfriend, get your dude out of here, man. You know, he's going to get beat right now. That easier. You know, it's playing too well. And um, yeah, we Rob connected that night. I took a picture of me and him and sent it to Sizzle uh, and Jim. You know, Jim is a drummer for Livid people. And uh, they're like, is that Rob? You know, none of us talked to him. You know, we tried to uh, get him to do that reunion, um, but it didn't work out. And that's why he stepped playing bass. And so, anyways, we started talking. And then I gave him Sizzle and uh, Jim's number because he wanted to reconnect. And so he reconnected. And then, um, Jim invited Rob to go see Anger the Giant rehearsal, you know. So he shows up at rehearsal and watches us jam and everything, and, you know, everything's all cool in Brotherhood. And then uh, our bass player for Anger the Giant, Doug, he took off to go home. And me, Sizzle, and Jim stayed, you know, in the parking lot hanging out with Rob. Probably for a couple hours, you know. And then I wake up at 4 in the morning, and so I'm like, well, I got to go. So I got in my car and... You know, as I was driving by them, I rolled down the window because Rob and Rob Sizzle and Jim was still hanging out when I left. So I rolled down the window. I go, whatever comes out of this, I'm fucking down. And I just took off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, because I knew, you know, and then lo and behold, fucking, you know, Anger the Giant is put on hold. We we're going to try to do Anger the Giant one week and live it the other week, right? To go back and forth. But, I was kind of burning out on Anger the Giant music at the time. And with Rob coming back, he's like getting back together with the ex-girlfriend, you know, type of, type of thing. So, um, anyways, then Rob just came into rehearsal uh, for the first time in 18 years. Dude, he came in. This was, uh, I think, August of 2018. He, he had a truck with fucking all his four cabinets and two heads. Dude. Are you <laughs> serious? Rob? 
yeah, dude. I'm like, dude, it's not 1998 anymore, man. <laughs> you know? I go, Jim, because Jim, we rehearsed at Riff House Studios. Jim is uh, the owner um, of Riff House in Fullerton, California. And um, so, no, he brought this whole shit, dude. And then we plugged in, we all plugged in, and I don't even know what song we played first. I don't know if it was, um, it was one of the oldies. I don't know if it was God Send or Shame on You or something like that. But we played one song. There was a couple of fuck-ups here and there. But the sound, dude, and, and then the tightness was fucking there after all that time. And then we are like, let's play this song, say thing, you know? Let's play this song, Crest. We went through a Crest like, like it was nothing, dude. You know, and Crest is pretty fast, you know, for the guys in their 50s playing like that. You know, and then we did a, I don't know, we went through for a couple of hours just trying to play every song that we could remember, Livid song. And then in two months, we Livid did another type of reunion, but the first reunion with Rob after 18 years was uh, October 2018, you know, opening up for Head PE, you know, like we did. We just jumped on right back to where we left off, you know. Um opening up for head PE at the gas lab in Long Beach. Dude, that place was hot. You know, people that didn't get to see the Livid reunion in 2012, now they get to see, I guess, the real reunion now that Rob's back. Right, and right. And that was 2018, and then we did a show in February 2019. And Huntington Beach made $940 for the And I go to my, I, I said to the wife, I go, I think that was the biggest, payday I've ever had in my life. <laughs> $948, dude. You know? From a show. Without merch. No, no merch. I mean, we, we had t-shirts, but it was more like, fuck it, here, take it, you know? Because there was no one watching the merch. It was a small venue. There was a fight. It, it was, you know, it was at, I think, Gallagher's in Huntington Beach. So, so that was Livid 2019, and then we wrote a couple of new songs throughout 19, and then uh, focusing on that, we actually we recorded some music, um, and then COVID hit. So COVID hit, and then I guess we're just taking time off because no one is going out of the house at that time, right? For for the first month or two or everything, but during that time, I started getting comfortable with like not being in a band because. Since my early 20s, I've been rehearsing like Tuesdays or Thursdays since then. Every fucking week, no matter, you know, what band I was in. And so during this quarantine time, it was kind of nice to just kick back and chill. You got to spend time with the family, you know. Because it's a long day for me to, to rehearse with Livid, you know. I wake up at 4, I take the bus from Huntington to downtown L.A. No, not the bus. I drive to Fullerton train stop. And then I take a train from Fullerton to downtown LA and then from LA to Fullerton because our rehearsal studio is around the corner from the Fullerton train stop. Jam would live it and then, you know, come home at 10, 10 30 and start all over. It's like, I was tired. Dude. So during this COVID thing, I was kind of resting and uh, got, got kind of got comfortable with it. And I think everybody else did too, but we haven't jammed since the beginning of March, you know, I haven't plugged in my guitar uh, with the band or anything like that. But right now, uh, there's no action going on with Livid. But uh, 
it might be type of a, a band to where maybe let's rehearse, you know, four times and do a show once a year. That type of thing. You know what I mean? And ain't nothing wrong with that, dude. Cause I, I did a couple shows one in December and one of September of last year up here with, with implant and, um, one was for a birthday show at Holy Diver. The next one we played with some bands from back in the day. You might remember Shorty. Do you remember those guys? I think, I think, uh, I remember the name. Yeah. They, they were all sack bands. And then I think the other one was long, long drive home or seventh standard long way home. But yeah, we yeah. did that show too. And that, it, I think it was like the biggest night Holy Diver ever had as far as uh, capacity there. And we played first, but those were fun. And I had been doing a, with Rob, the bassist from Implant, been playing in a, a 90s cover band, uh, drums um, down in like Santa Barbara, go down there. Like I guess they were having, their drummer didn't want to do it anymore. And they had some gigs or he couldn't do a gig and said, hey, can you learn these songs? And sent me like 40 I think it was 41 songs. It's all 90 stuff. So it's all super simple. So can you learn yeah. these songs? So, you know, listen to 41 songs, drove down there, did a show and done a few with them. And we were getting ready to actually, we had a show March 13th booked. And that's right when everything started going South with yeah. this whole COVID thing. And I was like literally two hours into my drive. I think it was. And all of a sudden, I said, "Look, it's, this show ain't going to happen tonight. Everything's starting to, you know, close down and only limit the number of people into the show and stuff like that. And everything stops. So, not doing, losing my photography outlet, not being able to play live music, not being able to experience live music, and mm-hmm. obviously been working hard trying to to brand the website with the Hard Rock Core and." And I said, you know what? I've always wanted to do the podcast for years. Let me try to move this in a different direction. Had, you know, great support uh, around me, cheering me on to do it and did it. And um, just kind of making it happen. Just like you've done with your Vapor guitars. How Have you always wanted to make guitars? Or what made you get moving with that? Um, You know, I've always, you know, I'm getting older, you know. And so it's like, I've always wanted wanted to have a guitar company or do something like that or build a guitars when I retired. You know, something for me to do when I retired because I don't want to sit and do nothing. You know, if I have to work part time at Trader Joe's, I'll do that because I don't know if I can sit and just be in the house every day. You know, so um, this was my plan for when I retired. But then the older we get, you know, people around you start dying and stuff like that and not being able to do what they wanted to do with their life. So it's like, I tell the young people, because I work with a lot of young people, um, focus on your school, focus on what you want to do in life, you know? Um, Don't try to get in a relationship and get married and have kids and everything right now, because whatever your goal is in life is going to stop. Unless you're a super, super woman or super man that can do it all. Full-time job, full-time school, full-time taking care of kids, you know what I mean? Um, there are people that do that, but I said, fuck it. You know, um, people recently died around me and I'm, you know, they go to bed and they don't wake up and they're like my age, you know what I mean? Um, so 
Yeah. So what I did is like, you know, I built the guitar, um, my first one, the flying V from scratch. And, uh, my mentor was, uh, fucking Jeff Eberhardt from mud. Remember the guitarist from mud? Yeah. 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 So he builds incredible guitars. Dude. He, he's built, you know, quite a few guitars and, um, high quality fucking bitching. So he would post it on Facebook and stuff. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. I go, I'm thinking I want to build a flying B and you know, I'll buy everything. And he just told me what to do. So he lives on Rancho Cucamonga. So I had to go to his house and I was spending, you know, a Saturday, you know, getting the wood, measuring the wood, cutting it and everything, gluing it. So he pretty much guided me through the whole process. And then I figured I was going to like build some guitars, right? You know, build guitars for about five years and try to get good enough to actually want to sell them. And so I'm like, oh, fuck it. I've, uh, I created a guitar builders resource group page on Facebook, which is almost 13,000 people. Like it just like took off like that. Um, thir- check this out. There's 13,000 followers for a guitar building page I create, but any of the band uh, pages or even my guitar page that I create, I'm trying to push it. Dude. You know, I'm trying to promote it and trying to get the, the likes, I'll have six or 700 real likes, but then a page that I don't give a shit about, I just created it and left it out there. 13,000 followers. Dude. Wow. For, for, yeah. For guitar builders page. So anyways, through that, um, I had these companies overseas hit me up if I want to, uh, use them as manufacturing or if any of the uh, members of the page would be, you know, consider using them as manufacturing. And I'm like, well, I'll let you know, but uh, I'm thinking about doing it. I'm building guitars right now or learning, and I want to have, have them manufactured, you know, with the process. So the company I went with uh, was the fourth company. They're in China. We're based in China. Um, they were the fourth company that hit me up, but I did my research on them. And, yeah, they have an actual building. They have videos. They got an address, phone number, email. I can get in touch with them. The other ones, I couldn't get in touch with. So I was like, nah, that's kind of shady. So with this company, dude, I just bought a sample guitar. They sent it, and I played with it for a couple months, months, and then I was like, okay. And it was a Strat-style guitar, right? So I had to manufacture a, a small run of a Strat-style guitar that I want, you know, humbucker, single, single, and put jack on the side of the guitar, not on the top, one volume, one tone, you know, a, a simple guitar. And so I ordered a small batch of those, and then uh, it took me a while to sell the first one. I was kind of like bummed out. I didn't know if it was going to work. It was a small batch of uh, six. And then I told the wife, I go, if I'm sitting on these guitars two years from now and I can't sell them, I'm just going to donate them to the School of Rock or, you know, Rock Stars of Tomorrow School Program. That's, that was the plan if I couldn't sell any. And then all of a sudden I sold them, like all, like quick. And so I made enough money to get another batch. Of, you know, I ordered Tellys. And it sold those, and I'm like, damn. So the flying V that I uh, built from scratch, um, that I sent all the measurements to China, you know, spending a lot of late nights with that, centimeter measuring and taking videos and pictures and stuff like that. And so I just had the V66B guitars uh, manufactured. And in two months, I sold out, you know, sold out of six guitars. I do small batches, so... Um, then when I sell them out, I have money to do more. Right. So these V's, they sold out in two months and 
these these came out so good, so good that they're better than the one that I built, obviously. Um, but they they did a great job, you know, producing them. And then I got bees. I mean, uh, uh, cases are coming in, and a new order of bees. So the guitar company is keeping me busy. So is the podcast. Um, you know, so it's kind of good that I'm not in the band right now. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's how I started the guitar company. And it's, uh, you know, I'm actually busier than I thought it was going to be. So 10 more years when I do retire or something like that, maybe it could be a thing that I can do as a part-time job, you know? Well, so and I told Anthony one, dude. He bought uh, the Tully style VMT. Nice. Nice. I think I saw, was it the white one? Did he get a white one? Yeah. 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 Yeah, the white seems to be the popular color. So, but um, let's talk about um, what you got going on with your show. You have a podcast as well as a YouTube channel um, where you interview big rock stars. And I really enjoyed the one with Jay, dude. I was just listening to you guys, you two guys talk, did remind me of just hanging out in front of the bars or in front of the clubs at night. How you were talking earlier. Just hanging yeah. out with something. And, um, He's my age, so he, he's an old dude, too. <laughs> so it's a um, wing, you know? I didn't know we were the same age. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, you know, it's, I don't think age matters in music, you know, maybe to a few people, but especially now, if you look at some of the success that bands are having, and, um, you know, it's, I've touched upon it a few things here and there with, with the bands is that, a lot of these bands out there and people don't necessarily realize they see the band life and think that's it. But some of these, some of these guys, they, they, well, majority of them have jobs at home, you know, that yeah. they go out on tour for a month or two or three or whatever they do. Then they come back and they go back to work because it's not, nobody's selling millions of records anymore. You know, no, those deals are gone. You know, yeah. the record labels, you're not making money from album sales. You make 75% of your income from live shows and merch. So now you can't tour. Now, you know, people, and I've talked with so many bands, and during the course of the conversation, it comes up to, you know, I have to do this around work. And, well, if I, I had to get a couple weeks off to go to the studio so we can record, you know, a couple weeks off of work or whatever. So those things are there, and it's uh, it's a different world because the the money's not there and so many people take it for granted. I hope that once this current situation is resolved and we've moved past it two years that people won't take the music for granted because, you know, in the thing that I do and it, just like you as well, you love music. You love, love what you do with music. You love playing, you love being around it myself. And, and people will say, you know, why do you do what you do? It's because I love music and I want to share it with the world because a lot of it is, is missed now or it's done so quickly through SoundCloud and people programming it. I, I like the musicians. You like the musicians. You like to be able to play and to share that stuff, whether it's the photos I will take or the conversations with the bands to put them up there. You know, I don't, not doing it to have a specific goal to become famous with it, not doing it to say, oh, I need to get X amount of followers or views. I just put it out there and here we go. And if it grows, it grows. It's great. But um, just the ability exactly. to be involved with it, just not, and we've all chased a dream of we need to do X, Y, and Z to get there. But I, I think those days are gone. It's just, 
Let me enjoy the conversations. Put it out there. People like it. It's great. If you follow it, awesome. Always, always for it. Not going to turn it away. But yeah. it's just the, the ability, like, you know, you're making guitars because you want to. And you're busier than you thought you would be with it. That's a good freaking problem to have, you know? Yeah, every Saturday, dude, every Saturday morning, Vapor Guitars is open. I work on the guitars because uh, when I come in, I, I do a lot of stuff to them if it's needed. But, for example, I just got uh, some of the bases in um, the other day. And, I, dude, plug it, they're ready to go, ready to go. And these are badass bases, and I'm having uh, Smokey, you know, uh, or Rob, people know him. Uh, he's going to set up a couple of the guitars for, for me, you know, get his input. Um, what were we talking about? Were we talking about the music scene? Yeah, talking about the music scene, you know, what I'm doing now, what you're doing, and, you know, you, yeah. your guitar company and all that. And just, you know, something that came to mind is, you know, station station identification or commercial break or whatever the hell we want to call that it's just that yeah. you know the the reason we do what we do is is we love the music and yeah that, that's the biggest thing to me and you know throughout everything i've done through um the music stuff now whether it's the, the website or or twitter or instagram or anything it's it's not about me it's about the bands it's about giving the fans something to look at. And those are the things I think has always been important to me. It's not about me taking a picture with somebody or something. That's just my personal belief. You know, I don't like my damn picture taken anyways, but let alone, this is about music for me and about giving it to the fans and the bands and just having those conversations and the experiences that I've had in music and you've had in music. I mean, you were there for people who don't know, and I'm going to throw the spotlight on you, obviously, you were there during those early days of Slayer down there in a, in yeah. in OC. Yeah, OC, but uh, like North Long Beach and you know Southgate because that's where the studio was. That was in Southgate. Um, yeah, I mean, I was in high school when me and Jeff became friends, and then I was seventeen and he was nineteen. Um, never knew they were going to be a big superstar group. You know what I mean? You never know if any of these bands, you know, like look at System of a Down, we didn't think they were going to go and be that big, you know. But like even back in my day with the Slayer, um, you know, the band Leatherwolf, yeah, um, they're around back then, and their two guitar players is Jeff and Kerry. Same with Slayer, Jeff and Kerry, different spellings. But me and my friends at that time thought that Leatherwolf was going to be bigger than Slayer, you know, because they had the. Uh, you know, the girl following, you know, um, more like Iron Maiden-ish. Slayer was like, you know, all dudes going to the shows and stuff and like really like like speed metal, you know. I love Slayer, but I understand that there's some people that don't know that type of music and if they hear it, they think it's noise. I get that, you know what I mean? But I love them. Um, but yeah, that was back in my, my old days, dude. Leatherwolf, uh, Slayer, I mean, I'm older, but yeah, Savage Grace. There's a whole bunch of bands. Great White, um, saw Great White when they're uh, just went from Dante Fox to Great White. That's how long ago that was. So yeah, and then um, so with you, you got your podcast, you got your uh, YouTube channel. What else is going on with you? Are you writing um, for any websites or anything? 
just my own. The stuff I do is all for hardrockcore.net. And it's just, again, it's a, you know, try to link the, the website, the YouTube channel, the podcast, Spotify playlist, which link me to some of your music so I can get it on there as well, too. Whether it's Livid yeah. or Anger the Giant or Adore or anything like that out there, let me get that on the playlist for you. You know, just, it's just linking it all together. And I try to, you know, get the updates that I get from the publicist and labels up to the site as soon as possible. I mean, a lot of stuff comes through. A lot of stuff comes through nonstop, you know, and it seems like obviously the big dogs, the the blabbermouse and metal sucks and metal injections, which are all freaking awesome. But, you know, they've got staffs and, and 24 hours a day to do it. And unfortunately, I don't. I just do it because I love it. And uh, if I could do something like that, that'd be awesome. But it's not a, a goal to reach mm-hmm. a certain level. I just want to do it because I like doing it and the bands and hopefully can build the respect from that. And, you know, why while we we're on break just a minute ago, you know, if you want me to throw people your way as well too, you know, for, for interviews for your podcast, you know, just, just say the word and I'll throw your name out there and start connecting you with the publicists that I deal with. So you can get more guests on your show as well. Oh, I appreciate that. I've never had a deal with a, a publicist cause you know, um, I know you had to go through a publicist with Ken J, right? I did. And the guy who uh, I dealt with, Tom George, you know, because somebody else was handling them before. And then they switched publicists. And I think maybe they switched some of the business side of what they were doing. And he, Tom sent me some of the press releases and I put them up on the site. And I said, dude, if they come around to doing uh, interviews, press, please consider me. I said, you know, I, just to throw this out there. I said, you know, go back and look in Wisconsin death trip. You'll see my name in there. So I have a history with the band and that's, I think got that one moving for me. And then when Ken got on the phone, it was instant, you know, uh, connection. It was just like, Holy crap. I haven't spoken with you in, you know, 18 years at this point and cool to reconnect. So, you know, the, the publicists are great, and I, I've dealt with many, many great people, and, you know, they help facilitate what I do. And, you know, obviously there's a plus that when you do the photography and, and reviews and stuff like that, you get the free concerts that come with it. That's always an, an added bonus or the music that come with it. That's goes hand in hand. But, I, you know, so much stuff comes through all the time. And I've told other people about this too, like – uh Mark from uh, the Pier Rock Show in Ventura or Viking Dave in yeah. Fresno, those guys, I said, if you guys want to, you know, link stuff together or exchange stuff or send people your way, I'm all about that. Cause I think it benefits all of us that if we all share in some of that, uh, you know, publicity or speaking with the bands or sharing what I do or what you do, it's all benefits all of us at the same time and lifts us all up. And I think that's, that's kind of the big thing to, to share and, you know, let other people see what others are doing and, and carry that up. So yeah, dude, I will totally throw some emails your way and try to get some stuff set up with you as well. Yeah. I was going to hit up Koichi and, and Tony just sending a message, you know, about doing the podcast. Um, I'm going to hit up Meigs cold chamber. I'm just going to hit up people. I mean, that's all I've done so far is just hit up people. Um, so, so that's awesome like that. But like you said, you know, Everything I do, I, I love music. And I love music so much that I don't know if you're like this, but like I can't listen to music like a normal, uh, regular person, <laughs> like that just listens to whatever's on the radio. 
that don't know about bands, you know, how they just like listen to music. To those type of people, I think it's more background, but to maybe people like us, or at least for me, when I hear a song or music, I'm picturing the feet of the kick drum. I'm picturing the toms that are being hit. I'm picturing where the hands are on the guitar. I'm picturing everything. I'm like listening to everything. You know what I'm saying? Um, Like when there's cymbals being hit, I can see which ones are being hit and everything. Like I can see keyboards. I can see hands moving when I listen to music. So it's like, I kind of wish I could listen to music like a regular person. (laughs) You know, I'm analyzing as I'm listening. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Dude, I I hear you. I totally hear you in that because I do the same thing. My mind, and I don't think, I don't think we analyze it to make it better, but we just, our, our mind is tuned into the music and okay, he's doing, oh, he's got seven strings on there, but he's down to another step. So he's doing just a simple middle finger bar chord on the third fret on the, you know, seventh and sixth. You start thinking about how are they doing those things and, you know, being predominantly a drummer, I think about, okay, he's got his ride here, his hi-hats here, his feet. I, I imagine those things just like you do, man. It's it's kind of disgusting, but it's freaking awesome at the same time. Yeah, I mean, on any type of music, I mean, you know, hip-hop or anything like that, I'm just, I'm seeing all the instruments being played or something like that in my head when I listen to music. And so it's weird because I can listen to music all the time, but like to watch uh, watching a TV show or a movie, I only like to watch it once. If I see a movie, I'm good. I don't need to see it again. You know? But with music, you know, sometimes I'm addicted. Sometimes I'll be into a song where I just keep rewinding it. You know? Or you can play it over and over again. You you hear that that riff that just gets your head bouncing or the or the drum beat that's just pummeling the whole time. You're like, yeah, that's what it's about right there. You know, you, you just lock in with it. There's some songs that, like, when I hear them, like, if I'm just changing radio stations and I hear it, I have to stop and listen to the whole song. Um, do you have songs like that? Like, two songs that come in mind is uh, U2, New Year's Day, and Leonard Skinner, Freebird. When I heard those songs, I had to listen to it all the way through. You know what I mean? Man. Like, if you change stations, if it comes up, I just have to listen to it all the way through. I, don't, I never get sick of those two songs. Yeah, jeez. Um, songs i don't know there's there's so many that that come to mind of just songs that okay i've got to hear this i gotta you know here comes this cool middle part uh, of this song or whatever you know it's it's kind of like listening to me for uh listening to the song power slave by iron maiden there's so many cool things happening in that song and then you know they kind of take you on it maiden always takes you on those different journeys but then they hit like the big drum break where the drum fills happen and then it slows down. Then it comes back into, it goes, you know, just those things like that. It, I've got to turn it up a little bit and hear everything that's happening, you know, but anything with Maiden, I think, cause there's such, every main song has different parts to it. I mean, he, you know, a lot, a lot of it's in the same key, but it's all, there's so many different parts. And I think Steve Harrison, Steve Harris has been so creative in how he puts things together or puts in the time changes and tempo changes and stuff like that. I think it's freaking genius. Dude, Maiden, I I was on a Maiden kick probably like two years ago where I was like learning everything I can with Maiden. Um, I was into the long songs like Seventh Son of a Seventh Son and uh, like the long songs that are like 15, 16 minutes. Those are 
Iron Man is a modern day like Mozart. You know how the classical music was? How they had all the different parts? Yeah. Maiden is like that, like a modern day like that. Because all the different notes and different parts, you know, if you put that with an orchestra, you're going to see that, you know, there's a lot of shit going on. Well, listen, Maiden is phenomenal, man. Maiden just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about Bino. Have you talked to him? Have you, uh, just uh, see how many people from the past are you uh, in communication with? You're in communication with Bino still? No, not. I know Anthony ran into him in L.A. like a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Anthony still talks with Shavo and stuff like that. And But I know I, I, I exchanged emails with somebody from Velvet Hammer, but it, it's not Bino directly. Yeah. Um, you know, when I in contact with people, it's usually like people that I run into at a show, at a festival, and we're like, holy crap, I haven't seen you in so many years or I remember when we did this back in 2008 or 2009 we interviewed then and I remember that you know those type things I try to you know with people that I do the interviews with the bands and stuff like that I try to send them off just some sort of whether it's a text or a email or something through Skype of just hey you know hope all's well hope you're staying safe you know I, I still talk with uh, Sean Glass from the band Soil uh, he and I exchanged text and going to try to hook up and do an interview here soon. He's now in a band called Repentance, but he's been around. He was in death metal band Broken Hope, if you remember them. Um, Heard the name. You know, he, you know him a lot. Um, you know, I, a couple of years ago when there was the Headbangers Con up in Portland, you know, ran into, uh, you know, people from the past, but also, you know, new people as well and, and made new contacts. Um you know, like the spine shank guys haven't heard from those guys in forever. Um, trying to think of who else from back back then. You know, even even since like 2012, since we did that show at Slide Bar, it was uh, seeing those guys. You know, seeing you know uh, Adam and uh, Bot was it Bobby the singer? Yeah, from Mug. Yeah, you know those guys hadn't seen those guys since 2001, 2002. But seeing them then, but that was the last time I saw them. Um, yeah. I know you and I exchange every now and then. I know, uh, you know, Big J exchange with him every now and then. That guy's just cool. I, I Big J's awesome. Yeah, it's family. Uh, you know, we, we we had this family thing back then. Um, but Bino became this. He's this uh, one of the biggest managers in in rock music right now, right? Well, the crazy thing. Uh, about the Bino story is is and I, I don't know him inside and out, but I know he was going to go to law school, and I believe it was USC. If I'm speaking out of line, forgive me. But I know he, you know, invested in System, and that's what he, yeah. you know, put everything in. He managed some other bands back then. I think one was called the Devil Roosevelt, which is almost sort of like a Radioheadish, but more rock and type band. But he put everything in the System. And he was, you know, a huge fan of the Deftones back then, huge fan of Corn back then. And what he's done with Velvet Hammer. And yeah. now he, he manages Corn. He manages yeah. um, Deftones. the Deftones now. Alice in Chains, um, uh, Cypress Hill, you know, all that stuff. I think AFI as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and still with System. So he's like managing the big bands. Yeah. Like, uh, right. Absolutely. You know, he, whatever he's done, 
He's done freaking awesome, dude. He's he's married. He's got a kid now as well. Yeah. That's cool, see. So it's like, you know, passing out flyers with him. Yeah. Uh, back in the day. So it's like kind of seeing, it's kind of cool now that it's like, you could just say it's like 20 years later. Um, of, like I said, stories. One time we were watching a story on Madonna on TV, like a, on Entertainment Tonight. And the dude that runs her, you know, label, Maverick, a guy, um, me, guy, and the singer from my band, Power Lounge, we helped Deftones uh, carry their shit in a van to the van after a show in Newport Beach. On a Thursday night, there was maybe 20 people, you know? And um, and we were helping him, so I was helping moving Deftones gear with Guy. Now I think he's the manager of Madonna, and he's a big part of Madonna's company. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's been on TV shows and stuff like that, and it's just like, wow. You know, I think we might have smoked a joint with him while we were loading up the gear. So <laughs> it's just weird to see. See, that's like uh, what I was saying earlier. What is that? Uh, seven degrees of separation, whatever. Right. Right. You know. Well, um, here I'm going to be going to. Here's a here's a weird one with that as well too, and it all it's all going to tie back to the Deftones. Is that uh, years ago, early '90s, playing in bands and band I was in back then, we put out a couple independent CDs and we uh, got asked to do a show. And this is, I think, early 94, I want to say. I don't remember the, the exact date. But we were asked 10 days out to play a show in Ventura at the Ventura Theater with the then version of L.A. Guns. And that still had Phil and Tracy and I think mm -hmm. maybe the basis, but they had a different drummer and I think a different guitar player at the time. And we had to sell tickets. We were a local band and we sold close to 200 actually. And the day of the show, literally LA guns had sound checked. We started to load our stuff onto the stage at the Ventura theater. It's a great 1100 capacity mm -hmm. venue. You know, we're like, great. We're going to be playing just some pet people tonight. Yeah. All of a sudden we get told, stop, come upstairs. So we go to the office and we're like, oh crap, what happened? We know, why can't we, what do you mean we can't? And like, someone's going to tell us we can't play tonight? What the hell? Yeah. And we, you know, we were from Santa Barbara and, you know, drove 40 minutes, not not far, but, uh, you know, drove and people were already outside because it was close to six o'clock and I think doors were at 630 that night. And okay. we started seeing a lot of our friends and family and people from Santa Barbara and, you know, the areas that were from piling up. And they told us to go upstairs. We go up to the uh, office of the Ventura Theater, and they tell us, hey, the show's canceled tonight. Gee, what happened? We're like, well, Tracy had gotten sick, I guess, with some type, type of food poisoning, couldn't play. So we were like, look, man, we've got people here. We sold close to 200 tickets. We'll play the show for free. Don't, don't charge the people who bought L.A. Guns tickets or, you know, refund them. That We'll play for free. We don't care. Just let it. They said, we can't let that happen tonight, blah, 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 contracts, legalities, whatever. Great. Yeah. So bummed. And years later, when I befriended Tracy, asked him about that, he said, oh, I got sick and I was thrown up in the hotel. And he validated, he remembered specifically the show and the sickness and everything. So, but longer story, a little bit shorter, was yeah. um, about six months later, because the Ventura Theater said, hey, we're going to, um, have you guys back to play another show later on? We'll get it sorted out for you. 
said, okay, and we'll give you guys a couple hundred free tickets to give away. Okay, cool. That's yeah. a fair trade. So yeah. they booked us with a band called the Ska Daddies, which were like, okay, we're, we're more of a grungy type band, but we're going to play with a Ska band? Okay, whatever. And a band whose name sounded like maybe they blended in with the Ska Daddies, and we didn't know who they were. And they said, oh, this band's from Sacramento. Uh, this is their manager's number. You can call them and talk with them if you want or whatever. But they're they're talking with Madonna right now. They're, they're about ready to sign a, a deal with her record label. And we're like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah. And, of course, it was the Deftones before, right before they signed the deal. Yeah. And, you know, we were the first band. Deftones were second, and the Ska Daddies were third. And... Looking at the lineup with, with the names, it's like we just didn't fit. But we played and we saw the Deftones out front and exchanged numbers with them. And, uh, you know, Chino had the dreads back then. And they came yeah. on stage in Ventura. Holy crap. We got our ass handed to us on stage that night. Big time. This band, <laughs> they were just... You know, this is like going out playing against corn, you know, back at the time you're doing your thing. And then this new, new sound is there and it just blows you away. And the crowd yeah. was going circle pit. It was crazy. And I was just like, Oh, this is something new. Music's changed. Uh, at that yeah. point in, in playing that show with the tone, deaf tones. Incredible, man. So you got to see him down, down South with like 20 people. You know, you probably saw them before I did, which is freaking awesome, dude. They were just crazy back then. Yeah, I mean, the, the show went off even though it was like 20 people. And I think the next night they were playing in Long Beach. And I went to that one, too. And then, you know, there was at least over 100 people at that one. But see, these were like during the weeknight, not on the Friday or Saturday, you know. Um, back in the days when you had to do what you had to do. That's one band. I mean, they're big. Death Tones is big, but I feel like they should they should be bigger than they they were or are. There's a lot of bands that, to me, should have been bigger. You know, like Seven Dust. Don't you think that they should have been bigger? Dude, I 100% agree with you. They should have been much bigger, and I don't know why it never happened, but they had songs. They had grooves. LeJohn's a great singer, you know. All the big bands opened up for them. That's true, man. And they still kick ass to this day. I saw them a couple years ago. And, I mean, phenomenal. And they just, they crushed. And, I mean, they used to beat band. I don't want to, not physically beat up, but on stage, <laughs> they kicked everybody's yeah. ass, dude. You had to keep up with Seven Dust on stage. I mean, you guys played with them before. Yeah, Seven Dust. I mean, uh, what's the drummer's name? Um, Morgan. Yeah, uh, Morgan Rose. He, I love watching him. You know, him him and Jamie from Snot, those two guys, like, just watching them, like, when I would see those bands, I just focus on them. Dude, basically. those guys are phenomenal, man. Just the way they move and their stick placement and how they do the it, movement. insane. Yeah. The body movement. But I would have to say one drummer, since you're, you're mainly, uh, your number one thing is, is a drummer. Um, the dude, um, to me, he's the most craziest drummer I've ever seen, and you probably know him. The, the drummer for Vince Neil and uh, Slaughter. 
Zoltan oh. Cheney. That dude. Dude, I could watch his videos all day long. He kicks, he kicks the symbols too. Dude, that, that guy is wild. I, I've seen him do that thing where he kicks the symbols or he puts his like foot up on his hi-hat and is playing yeah. something else and just throwing his sticks way up in the air. And God damn, dude, those guys are crazy. He, he's the most crazy drummer. Uh, what's his name for the people? The people listening, they could uh, YouTube it. Uh, Zoltan? Zoltan Cheney, I believe his name is. If I'm wrong, forgive me, but that guy's a beast. A beast. Yeah, he, he drums for Vince Neil. And Slaughter. I, I know that. Mark Slaughter or the band Slaughter. It, it's funny because you the Slaughter, Vince Neil thing, it's like Vince has the same backing band as Mark Slaughter. You know, they just yeah, rotate out right. the singer. That's right, because the bass player, Dana, right? Dana the bass player. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, he's a crazy drummer. Um but yeah, back in the days, dude, uh, the rainbow and all that shit. And, um, you know, I'm friends with uh, quite a few people on Facebook from back then. Um, sticks. Wait, wait a minute. Sticks. Yeah. Sticks. From Flambuki. Yeah. Flambuki. Nice. He's a, he's a rabbi. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's a rabbi. Uh, Michael, uh, you know, Shifrin, something like that. That's his name. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. we, we got connected on, uh, you know, Facebook. You just got get connected. But, yeah, he's a rabbi right now. And um, Six, Bambuki. And I'm friends with the singer um, on Facebook. Uh, and then the guys from Agriculture. Um, uh, just became friends with Greg. Remember Greg Mace? Oh, from Migraine. Yeah, we just became friends with him probably in the last year or two recently. It's weird because sometimes, you know, like on Facebook, it's like people you may know always comes up. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Greg from Migraine, you know. And then I'll hit him up and shit like that. But, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a lot of us out there. We all have uh, regular jobs and mortgages and stuff like that now, you know. And all the, the, the livid kids, you know, they're all growing up now. Dude, what we got to do is at some point kind of get like, and we can do this all over the phone, do like a Zoom meeting as well, is get like me, you, Big J, uh, Anthony, Sizzo, and, and, and do a chat about those times with all of us because everybody's going to have their own stories and points of view for what happened, man. That'd be, or even Rafa too, out in Arizona, someone like that. Yeah, that would be nice. We're friends on Facebook too. Yeah, he's um, married and got a kid now. He's a... Um, He's with, he works for uh, Avenged Sevenfold, right? Yeah, he does uh, stuff for Avenged Sevenfold and for Disturbed. Obviously, he's not doing any touring right now, which sucks. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, that's just another thing of how far this damn thing has impacted everybody. But, yeah, Rafa, Rafa's great. I saw him a couple years ago. I was out in Arizona for something and had dinner with him and his wife, man. Just that dude that dude is awesome, man. I know you remember those days out there with him. I mean, those great people man is he still in arizona yeah he is absolutely yeah i might i'm gonna, i might be uh moving there in the next couple of years but yeah i mean rafa i mean we stayed at his house when we played arizona and he had a bitchin house with a pool basketball court um his mom would cook his breakfast it's like 3 30 in the morning i remember that man yeah, it was a big house, and she's she was a cello player, right? 
his mom, she played the cello for us. I think so, because I know his his dad was a uh, a conductor for like some Philharmonic <laughs> somewhere, something like that. Yeah, and then we would stay at their house, or uh, we even stayed in the camper in the driveway. Oh, that's right. And then we had kids that would come see us, and then their parents would cook us food or something. They would bring us food. <laughs> Dude, we, 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 you know, looking back at it, we probably shouldn't have went out taking you guys on tour, man. You guys had places to stay all over America back then. Yeah. Yeah, those were the good days. But, um, yeah, so I just uh, I got a message on Facebook that, you know, Chad from Head PE, um, he made a little uh, movie about their, their broke album tour. And uh, I'm just getting ready to watch that. But yeah, and you were talking about head and stuff like that. This thing comes up, but it's amazing how all these people are still making music, huh? Dude, it, that's the crazy thing is that, you know, I, we, we know the money's not there. Like, you know, when Jive signed head years ago, and I know you were, you were very, you know, you were close with BC back then in the days playing the Rhino Room and, and you know, 369 yeah. and all that stuff. You know, Jive threw them some big money and threw a lot their way, and that money doesn't exist in the industry anymore, which is sad. But the Spotify dude, you know, those guys are making tons of money, yet the bands suffer even worse now. Yeah, I, th- I wanted to ask you that since you're, like, you're in the music. You know a lot about the music business um, of this. When my when I see bands posting, uh, we got signed. To me, I ask, what does that mean? At this time, in these days, what does that mean when you can do everything yourself? You know, that's the uh, the thing that's interesting is that you see some people do things. And I think Jamie Jost is kind of a, a key example. He's been like a big inspiration to me. Just what he does and the grind he puts out there. But, you know, he did that record with D Snyder. He just said, D, I want you to do a metal record. You know, we'll do, and he did it all on his own and they recorded it and did it all on his own. Then they got picked up for distribution. I listened to to that episode when he had D Snyder. He's like, you should do, you know, when he was saying that, I was like, he should, because his voice is great for heavy, heavy tap music. Yeah. You know, but you asked about what does it mean to get signed? I don't I don't even know because I mean, band you're recording and I've put it, it's been on the podcast and other episodes where bands are like, Oh, I, I didn't even meet the producer of this album. No, I just recorded the bass parts in my, in my bedroom and sent them electronically. So you're not paying yeah. for studio time. You know, I mean, we know a lot of bands, you know, will program drums, unfortunately, or maybe they go into a small studio and, use triggers for everything so they don't have to worry so much about drum sounds. Uh, you know, there are people who are using the real deal. Uh, yeah. You know, are, are still using the real deal to record and go into the studio and get an album and get sounds and stuff. But unless you're a big band, that's not happening. You're doing it in your bedroom. And, you know, what What if I, even like 10 years ago, okay, you're going to remember. Remember um, Kevin Estrada? and our guy yeah. we yeah. were i ran into him probably like 10 12 years ago and even even a couple of years ago ran into him at the ride for ronnie and we were talking about how you remember back in the day bands were getting five hundred thousand or a million dollars to make a video and he was talking mm-hmm. about that he said yeah he said he was you know bands nowadays are likely to get five thousand to make a video 
you know, maybe 10,000 on a big budget. And this is 10 years ago. But now you look at the videos people are making online just with their cell phones and they give them to some mm-hmm. kid who can edit. And now you got a new video. Caught you a hundred bucks. Exactly. I did a video, uh, for a song called take a bow with anger, the giant. And all that was just from my phone. And I used the iMovie as you know, as the program to do all the editing and it came out pretty good. People were like, how'd you do that? I'm like, dude, it's all on my phone. It's all on your phone. You know? And that's the thing is, is so much can be done with your phone and people use garage band to record. And you know, you can, I mean, you're on Instagram, you see people recording tracks at their home and it's, they're just set up in a bedroom and, you know, have an interface to put it into pro tools or whatever program they're using. And it's, and it's done and the albums are done that way. And, um, I think it was Ali, the guy, Ali, Ali can't pronounce the name right, whichever way it is. Um, but from bleed from within, he also plays drums in Silosis. And he said, you know, on this album here, the, the newest album they put out, he says, I, I finally got the right sound. I had the right engineer in the studio to capture my drum sounds. So there's no triggers whatsoever. This is the natural drum sounds because, you know, bands struggle getting the right drum sound. So they just, okay, let's go put some triggers on it. We'll go get this patch from this thing. So we get the kick drum from and justice for all and we're going to get the snare drum from you know they go steal those sounds from other albums and there they go yeah. yep i know uh the metallica black album drums that's a big one that they use in the studios for different bands oh yeah and you you can hear and if you listen to a lot of active rock radio you can hear those sounds like ah, that's the metallica drum sound that's what bob rock did with lars yeah yeah what, what new bands are you into uh, uh, these days? Man. Newer bands like, you know, that came out in the last five years. Dude, I mean, I know they haven't come out in the last five years, but Gojira, those guys oh, yeah, are, yeah. oh, man. I, they, People love them. Like, guys in Metallica, like, you know, people, like, big bands praise that band. And dude. maybe I should give them a shot. I listened to a couple of songs, but that's about it. It's it's crazy, um, just crazy, good rhythmically. It's really good, you know. I think uh, upon a bur- upon a burning body. I mean, they've been out for a while now, but they've yeah. kind of developed their sound uh, a little bit more, um, less metalcore, more kind of groove, almost Pantera esque like type stuff. Um, yeah. You know, have been really really good band um i don't know new bands i don't know i just kind of think like new albums like do you hear that last sepultura album no oh man dude and their drummer this new guy they have in there i guess he's in a couple albums i'm gonna say now yeah it's it's sepultura dude it's incredible just really incredible um album phenomenal if you like, if you like older Sepultura, it's more aligns with that, you know. Um, yeah, that's new, cool. New bands, it's tough, man. It's there's a lot out there, but some of the stuff, and I've seen, gone to see stuff live, and I I watch it, and I go, he's not even singing right now. You know? Yeah, that's the thing with the new bands; they have these backing tracks, and then you know, a lot of people don't like that. Um, I mean, 
if you go see a band, I, I, want, I want to pay to see the live band, even if they have mistakes, you know? I think somebody said there needs to be disclaimer on ticket sales that this performance may not be 100% live. And I said, that's hilarious because a lot of these younger bands, and I saw, I walked in to the Ace of Spades one night. It was like a five-band bill, and the opening band was on on this package tour. And yeah. I saw the singer screaming, and I saw the guitar player doing uh, like the secondary vocal part but it was the yeah. same voice because, wow. because I, and I, I, I looked at it and I'm like, no, something's, this isn't right. This isn't even close. And I went and checked out the song on, uh, on like Spotify or whatever, after I left the venue and I heard, okay, it's the singer doing it in the studio. It's the same voice, but they, the, the, yeah. the, the, the vocal parts kind of overlayer each other. So you can't do it live without having somebody else do it. So it was, yeah. it was, it was a backing track, but the the guitar player was lip syncing it. The backing track, like he yeah. was doing the vocal. Yeah, and that's the stuff that turns me off. It it is funny because my band Anger the Giant we uh, opened up uh, for Paula Mud at the Coach House in San Juan Capistrano, um, and, and the the show was sold out. I mean, we sold a lot of tickets. We had to go back two times to get tickets to to sell. You know. Um, but when we were done and then, you know, uh, pull up mud comes on and I'm like kind of standing kind of in front of the singer West and, um, dude, the lip syncing, right. He wasn't singing. He wasn't even trying to be, you know, acting, faking. He wasn't even faking that. Right. So he was off on that and his guitar track was, was recorded, dude. Cause he was like, looked like he was playing. And then I go, that doesn't sound right. You know? And then he stopped playing. He was holding the microphone with two hands and that guitar track was still going. And I look around the club and everyone was just loving it. They're like, they're so drunk, so stupid. Anyway, no. And I'm like, this is disappointing, man. You know, he was pretty fucked up. The guy. And those are the they- things that, that, that just really, and I, I know he, he's notorious for being, you know, walking off stage or cutting shows off or whatever, but you have backing tracks and you can't even get your craft together. There's something wrong, man. Yeah. Even, uh, the, the drummer was like giving him a look, but no one notices. See, like I said, we, we like music so much. We know what we're looking at. That's, you know? that's exactly. It. And like I said, I've, I've seen it, you know, I've had some people ask me about certain things and, and I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a huge public figure, so I mean I don't have anything to lose. But at the same time, I don't want to trash people, and I understand why people do it. You know, I I, I do understand. I'd rather see the live thing and hear the mistake, than go watch a track. And yeah. uh, one time, a publicist asked me about something. I said, "Look, I'm not going to write about this because unfortunately, it wasn't even live." And you know, they said, yeah. "Well, some of it is." I said, "Well, some of it may be live, but I." No disrespect. I, I don't I'm not out here to trash bands. That's not what I want to do. It's hard enough to do and I try to keep the negativity away from it. I said yeah. I'm just I'm just if I don't write about something that I've gone to for you, just take it as is I'm I, I don't want to beat up the band, you know, and it, I'm not the greatest musician in the world, but at the same time I don't want to go out there and do something you know, I'm not gonna lip sync or, or 
you know, play the tracks the whole time that I'm not actually doing. And that, that kills me. And I know, you know, we never did it in Livid. I never did it with the implant stuff or anything. Never played to it. I'd rather have the live screw-up mistake than make something up for people that's not right and that's you know i see a lot of that now and i know you know eddie trunk will will go on diatribes for days about it you know and you know kiss you know is doing and i've heard you know so many other bands we know motley crew uses tracks galore live Mm -hmm. you know and you know you saw the feud recently between jericho and sebastian bach about you know mimicking songs and stuff like that there's all that stuff out there and yeah, I get it. Do some people are going to get called out? They are. Am I going to be the person to do it? No, because I just, I just don't want the negative action out there, man. I life's too short, man. I, I need to be positive and move forward with yeah. things. And you know, it's that's why I think you know, looking back to the livid days, you know, yeah, there were things that people did that were stupid to the band or talk crap about it. But you know what? You guys were always above it. And you move forward from it and didn't get caught up in it. And that's why I respected you guys so much because you never we're that band who want to go out and talk crap to people like that and make a big statement about it. Nah, dude, it was, uh, we were just trying to be like a brotherhood. I think back then, you know, everybody. And I, I you know, and to me, that brotherhood is, is still strong to this day, just because I'm friends with people on social media that were part of the scene back then, you know, even though no one's playing music or being in bands, most of them are not in bands, but you know, some of them are. And it's just kind of cool to still be friends with them and see how old we're all looking now. <laughs> you know, you look back at pictures of us back then with all the same bands, we all look like kids. You know, now everyone's, you know, pretty, pretty much old looking. Some people. <laughs> You guys still look young, though, man. And I, I, I still, I, this funny thing with us, if you remember when uh, Columbia was looking at Livid and that guy, what's his name, Seth? Dude flew out from New York and took us to some Hollywood swanky party, walking the red carpet. Do you remember that? It was Sony. Sony, that's it, yeah. Uh, we had a team from New York uh, that, that worked for Sony, right? Yeah. Yeah, they took us to... Dude, that that uh, whatever uh, party that they took us to, wasn't that crazy? That's the night that I tell stories and people don't believe me. I never forget. We we get into the back of the line, and then I remember some dude comes up and goes, "Are you guys livid?" I don't know who yeah. said yes, but then they walked us straight up to the front, walked the red carpet. He was, with, he was with some girl that had a headphones and a clipboard too. So I was like, "What the hell is this?" Remember that? Yes, dude. Oh my god! I remember. A, we went. We had a meeting. Didn't we have a meeting with Sony? Yes. And they go, "Do you guys want to go to a rap party after this?" And we we said, "Yeah," but we thought the rap party was like a rap, like like rappers, right? Like hip hop rap party. So we went, and then when we were standing in line, and then they took us back, right? Yeah. It wasn't a party like hip-hop it was a rap party for like uh i think it was an internet company that was releasing something yes yes and it was or i don't know it was a rap party for that and then they had one room where it was all white i remember everything was white and then um all these stars uh so we walked through remember we walked through um there was a red ropes or whatever the red carpet too and we turned this corner 
And it was all the press and media taking pictures of everybody as they walked on the bus. <laughs> I remember that. Remember that? And then, um, I don't know, we all didn't walk together. I think I stopped Sizzle. I go, dude, look at dude. So what we're going to do right now is just walk and wave and act like we're supposed to be here. <laughs> I, was, I was having fun that night. So we're walking and we're just waving. And cameras are flashing and everything. And while I was waving, I was telling the I go, dude, they don't even know who the fuck we are, but they just have to take pictures and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I re- yeah. Do you remember the band who was playing inside? Do you remember who was playing? Yeah, uh, Clint. Uh, there's a soul guy, uh, Parliament. Yeah, um, it was Parliament, dude. <laughs> Bootsy Collins. Yes, Bootsy was there too. That's right, dude. Yeah, that night, I tell people, dude, um, remember uh, James Woods? Yes, he was there. <laughs> yeah, he was like, and they had like little tents or something where you could like go in. Yes. There people hanging out doing drugs, I think. He, we met James Woods, right? We all went in there and met James Woods, didn't we? Yeah, wasn't Sting there as well? Yeah, and Andy Sting. Dick? Yeah, so, oh, Andy Dick, he was in one of those uh, tent things too. And I, I was drunk. I just walked in. I go, hey, what's up, dude? What's up? You know, do the handshake. I did that with James James Woods. And then uh, I think the movie The General's Daughter was out at the time, and he was one of the stars. I go, dude, great job on that, dude. Call me Monday. We'll do lunch. <laughs> and we walk out, and I think I remember Sizzle saying, dude, you're fucking funny. And I go, dude, I'm, I was born for this shit, dude. He, <laughs> new one, but he, he played the part. He's like, right on, right on, we'll do that. Oh, you know? man. And, uh, but out of the stars that we met that night, there was a lot more, but you, you brought up Sting. Sting was the one that, um, I think it was me and you and Cecil that went up to him. Um, I don't remember, but I didn't know what to say to him. Do you remember who was, else was there? Did we, we talked with somebody specifically about our, about our website. Oh, uh, Fred Durst. Fred Durst, uh, Exactly. We hung out with them mostly that night. Remember, he was with the security guard and two girls. Yep. And he told them to go ahead and go because they were just standing off to the wayside. And he told them to go ahead and go, and then he was hanging out with us for a while. I remember that, dude. That was when that whole thing went down with him and Taproot, and that was one of Bino's bands, Taproot. Yeah. Because there was some big drama with that. Yeah, I remember Fred Durst, I go, you don't know who we are, you know, because he's acting like he knew who we were, and then he said livid.net. And then, I could, it's like, obviously he knew who we were when he said our website. Yep, yep. And then, uh, yeah, he, he was super cool. He was one guy I didn't like in the music industry, but then after I met him and hung out with him that night, he's one of my favorite people. Um, he was one of the coolest rock stars I've ever met or any type of star. Fred Durst out of all people. Yeah, he was legit, man. He knew he knew the music because he was trying to sign bands and stuff and people give him crap, but you know what? He knew music and if he can call out your website and go, yeah, it's livid.net, you got the candles on there moving around. Dude, he yep. knew what the hell was going on. So yeah, I mean, that was one thing good about, you know, when you're managing us, how you got us in the forefront of all the record companies, because you said Columbia, there was DreamWorks, there was, uh, I don't know if Roadrunner, but I know uh, Sony, right? 
yeah. Sony, Columbia, DreamWorks. Um, then Papa Roach gets signed at one of our shows. Uh, we had a showcase, but DreamWorks picked them up. That's right. That's right, dude. Yeah. So when I see, that's another thing. When I see Papa Roach on TV or hear their music, see, they got signed at one of our shows, and we used to play shows with them a lot. There's that's always true, a man. Story. There's always a story, you know. So, dude, we got to come back and we got to come back and go through all these stories again, man, and just really hammer this stuff out. Um, there's so many stories that just like um, one story uh, at a Livid show at the Troubadour. Um, I think it was a Livid show. Uh, me and my wife, we met Marilyn Manson and uh, Chino from Deftones. Oh, damn. Chino was on one side of the bar and Marilyn Manson was on the other side. And I don't know who I was with. I go, did you see who's here? You see who's here? And everyone's like, yeah, Marilyn Manson. I'm like, no, Chino from Deftones. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, no, Chino. But yeah, Marilyn Manson was there. But yeah, me and my wife, we met him. Um, and he was a really nice guy, dude, Marilyn Manson. Right on. You, have you met him? No, I have not. Yeah, um, we met him there. And he's like, really, really cool. But we didn't, you know, stay too long. I don't want to overstay my welcome. That's how I am with the rock stars. Let me get in there for a quick minute, and then I'm out. Right. Smart thing. You know? But, yeah, there's so many stories. We can make a movie um, of this shit. Um, playing in San Diego. Road story to uh, Arizona. Man. We were, we were playing on the radio in Arizona, too. That's right. And then... Um, yeah, we went there with Head PE. We went there quite a few times. All right, brother. Uh, but no, it was great doing your show and doing my show. Um, I'm going to make this a two-parter because there's, you know, um, maybe we should do something like, you know, like a Zoom thing, and we could just put that on uh, YouTube. Absolutely, man. Maybe members of different bands or, you know, different people that were back uh, in the scene back in that in those times, you know? Like, like Mike, uh, he's still with the whiskey. Yeah, totally. Did yeah. you see that documentary about the whiskey and the yeah. rainbow? Yeah. Cool stuff, man. All right, brother. Well, um, thank you for doing the show. Absolutely, man. I'll get these things edited and I'll drop box you the link later on today. All right, brother. Thank you. And, um, maybe we'll do, we'll do one of these, uh, again, soon absolutely we need we absolutely need to man dude i appreciate you man i love you and i wish your family nothing but the best all right i love you too brother all right man. thank you take care man okay all right bye-bye and that was my conversation with jim aka vapor of vapor guitars and don't forget about his podcast all things guitars and music check it out give it a listen like share and follow Thank you to you for making it this far, for listening, tuning in, and I hope you can share it with a friend. And don't forget to like, share, and follow the Hard Rock Core podcast as well. As always, for you listening, stay safe, stay true. Tell your family and friends you love them, give them a hug, and have an awesome day. 